What's up, MuggleCast listeners? If you want to make an impact online, GoDaddy.com has what you need. Get your own .com domain name for as low as $1.99. Plus, world-class hosting, fast and easy website builders, and much more. Plus, as a listener of MuggleCast, enter code MUGGLE, that's M-U-G-G-L-E, when you check out, and save an additional 10% on any order. Some restrictions apply. See site for details. Get your piece of the internet at GoDaddy.com. Because you need something to keep you sane during exam time. Thank you, Kate18 of Canada. This is MuggleCast episode 73 for January 21st, 2007. Can you guys believe that Laura Mallory once again appealed the court decision? So stupid. Of course. <laughs> she's got nothing oh, you can't better. Believe it, Laura? Yeah, she's got nothing better to do, obviously. Well, Laura's from Georgia. Laura I, under- from I understand Georgia. how these people they operate. They both share the same name. Yeah. yeah. Uh, you're yes. on hey. brainwaves. You got everything. There's not many brain. Welcome to another there. edition of MuggleCast. We got a jam-packed show this week, including a very special interview that we promised last week. We are happy to bring it to you this week. But first, I want to introduce a special guest co-host that we have this week, Mikey B. from California. Hi, everybody. Mikey, how you doing? Pretty good. Excited. Uh, a few of us know Mikey from uh, a couple of uh, good times. Harry Potter uh, <laughs> business trips that we took out to Las Vegas in California. They were completely and, business. Yeah, yeah, and you, he knows his Harry Potter stuff, and we wanted to have him on the show this week. You have been very excited to be on here. Yeah, I, I've been actually very excited. Uh, You've been telling me all week. <laughs> I've been freaking out. I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm going to be on, you know, MuggleCast. You bought a, a new headset for it. You are set to go. I did buy a headset. Uh, it's nice. I like it. It's comfy, too. Yeah, well, we, we do have a jam-packed show for everyone this week. I'm Andrew Sims. I'm Kevin Steck. I'm Mike Tannebel. I'm Laura Thompson. And I'm Mikey Bouchereau. Mike Tannenbaum here with the past week's top Harry Potter news stories. Amelda Staunton, the actress who plays Professor Umbridge, spoke recently about her experience playing the former High Inquisitor. She said Dolores is a vision in pink taffeta, but a nasty piece of work. At first I thought, oh, a Harry Potter, that'll be fun. But at this film's heart is a real tragedy, and I found myself having four months of intense acting, followed by occasional wand-waving for the next six. A new Order of the Phoenix photo showing Daniel Radcliffe at King's Cross Station was released earlier this week. Also, David Yates was quoted in USA Today recently as saying Order of the Phoenix is the most emotionally complex one so far. The Argus has a lengthy new interview online with David Bradley, the actor who plays Argus Filch in the Potter films. Most of the discussion revolves around the upcoming play The Caretaker, in which David appears, but towards the end, he talks about Order of the Phoenix. 
He said, I had a lot of fun up a 35-foot ladder, clinging on with one hand and hammering proclamations into the hall wall with the other, while four crew guys shook the bottom. I'm not very good with heights. Wrapping up movie news, a recent report by the UK Film Council stated that over £840 million sterling was spent on film production last year. That's an increase of 48% from 2005's total expenditure. As a result, 2006 was the UK's best recorded year for film. Film Minister Sean Woodward commented that these figures show that the UK is a great place to make a film. Two potters, Harry and Beatrix, a golden compass, and a bit of stardust have helped the UK's film industry have one of its best years ever. And Forbes magazine has placed J.K. Rowling at number two on their list of the richest women in entertainment. They estimate her net wealth at $1 billion, and she is the only career author on the list. In first place, who else? Oprah Winfrey. Speaking of J.K. Rowling, Friday Night Shirt, a short film about the lives of single mothers in Yarmouth, has won a Defi at a Hollywood film festival. Joe, who struggled herself as a single mother some years ago, financed the poignant film. Finally, Laura Mallory, the Georgian mother who has been crusading since August 2005 to remove the Potter books from the Gwinnett County School Libraries, is set to appeal the county's superior court. Mallory said, we will take a stand for truth and pray God will touch the hearts of this generation. For the past year and a half, she has vehemently preached the books indoctrinate children in witchcraft. She hasn't, however, actually read the books. Mallory says she is poised to take legal action and has apparently received significant donations from supporters in aid of this cause. You know, Laura, there is somebody who has already touched the hearts and minds of this generation. Her name is J.K. Rowling. That's all the news for this January 21st, 2007 edition of MuggleCast. Back to the show. Okay, thank you, Micah. You are welcome. I guess uh, one of the big stories of the week, uh, Laura Mallory. What's going on? What's uh, what's her mindset here? What, what Does she really think she's going to be able to win this? I don't think so. No, I think she's, she's just wasting know. her time. I mean, yeah. yeah, she is wasting her time, and I've said this I think she time just and wants time attention. again. Yeah. Yeah. So, Laura, I mean, most of us already know there really is nothing to do in Georgia, but, I mean, does it get to this point where you just keep appealing your court cases? Apparently. You know, I've said it time and time again that this woman has an extraordinary an extraordinary amount of perseverance and she should be using it for charitable causes that actually need something like that not trying to get a book taken away from a bunch of kids yeah yeah the fact well, that like the fact that she's actually taking donations it just irks she is? she yeah significant donations from supporters in aid of this it, what it just, could she possibly oh, no. be using the donations for okay guess yeah for legal <laughs> no for legal action. costs but no. but no. why spend money on legal costs when she could spend it on something that would go towards her cause a bit of you know a bit more like promotion of other books besides harry potter you know yeah or promotion of reading? Because yeah, she knows I mean, it's I going nowhere, should... so... What do you think of her quote? She said, We will take a stand for truth and pray God will touch the hearts of this generation. <laughs> <laughs> I want God to touch me. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know what to think anymore. <laughs> this lady, I don't, you know, good for her for have, being able to, you know, stick with it for so long, but... <laughs> uh, I, you know, it's yeah, not really, it's not even worth talking yeah. about anymore. We've We've beaten this to death. Uh, Get but, a hobby. So of course, that's essentially yeah. what it comes down to. Has You'll she, see more. I, I have a question. Has she even read the books all the way through? No, no, she, no, she hasn't. She hasn't. No. She's read excerpts. Of course, you'll see uh, more updates on Mogonet.com as the news breaks. I know everyone's on the edge of their seats to see uh, uh, the next time when she's, she's going to fail down. again. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> 
Uh, moving on, we don't really have many big announcements this week, but I just wanted to take this opportunity to um, point out a couple of things that we do every week, but most people don't actually realize realize it, or how to uh, subscribe properly on iTunes. First of all, we do have low bandwidth versions of the show. If you are on a dial-up connection, these come in really handy. They're, they're about a third of the size of the full-quality uh, MuggleCast uh, podcast. Of course, they sound... They sound- really bad, but um, the, you, you can you can hear us, and they are you can listen to them without you know your ears bleeding, and they are worth it if you are on a dial-up connection. I know every once in a while when I'm on dial-up, I don't know about you guys, but I I cannot yeah, take like it, especially teeth. long downloads. I'm never on dial-up, thank God. Well, you, you're you're very special. <laughs> <laughs> Also, uh, this is a big problem. Every single week, I post on uh, Mugonet.com saying, hey, there's a new podcast out, and uh, people say, it's not showing up in iTunes yet. What people don't realize is the link that I have uh, in iTunes goes to the directory listing within uh, iTunes, which shows the 10 most recent podcasts, but iTunes does not automatically see that we have a new episode out immediately after I post it. So you have to press that subscribe button on uh, the page that I linked to on Mugonet.com uh, to get the latest episode automatically whenever it comes out if your iTunes is open. Uh, so hopefully that clears some things up. And also, uh, Laura. Yeah. We have a little prophecy update. We I do. believe you, you wanted to bring this yeah. up. So for those I... of you who are wondering, and I know a lot of you were, the dress code for the Decade of Enchantment Ball is semi-formal slash formal. <laughs> Shut up, Andrew! <laughs> Hold on. I love the name of it. because They can't call it the Yule Ball. Well, no. So they have to call it the, what is it? Decade, Decade of, Enchantment. of Enchantment. That's because the whole thing is about 10 years of Harry Potter. Oh, Okay. 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 So anyway, that's semi-formal slash formal. So ladies, get out your prom dresses, polish your shoes, do all that jazz. Um, You are allowed to wear costumes and dress robes are encouraged, but muggle formal wear is fine. I think that's what most people will be doing. I know that's what I'm doing. Tickets for the ball are on sale for $5 right now, and they can only be purchased by registered prophecy attendees. You can purchase a ticket for and bring an unregistered guest if you wish. Uh, But as of right now, unregistered guests may not purchase purchase tickets. Also, submissions for call papers will be closed February 1st. And that's uh, all. Laura, you are a great... You, I'm appointing you our official prophecy update spokesperson. Okay, sure. Well, I have a question. You, that was good. What, uh, what's with the uh, formal and semi-formal? What, what you know, decide is semi-formal? Because sometimes, you know, $200 jeans can be semi-formal. So, yes. Well, so they mean like... Dress pants and shirt and tie. Yeah, Do they for, want us for, in tuxedos? No, no, tuxedo no, no not guys. <laughs> okay, let, let me, make, let like me make this very clear for everyone. A jacket would be when formal. They say, <laughs> when they say semi-formal to formal, the semi-formal is for guys, and the formal is for girls. <laughs> That's okay. how it goes. Or uh, if you're in England, you will know the uh, dress pants to be smart trousers, as Jamie told <laughs> Oh, is that what they call English them? English fact of the day. Next time, all you Americans, next time you, uh, your mom or dad or friend or whoever asks you to wear some dress pants, you mean, you say, you mean smart trousers. It's my British accent. <laughs> <laughs> so is that goofy, your uh, British oh, there's, accent? There's English people. Yeah. Um, but uh, Ben, Jamie, and I have been planning our outfit already. For a prophecy, uh, the really? decade of enchantment. Ball. Really, wearing the same outfit. I don't want to get so. Like, so who are you going with? It's for like girls. Oh my uh, God. We're, we're going. We're going single. <laughs> we're going single. Actually, we're stag. going together. Oh, okay. Yeah, so, we're going stag. We're going. Um, we're going as a package. It's a uh, group of three, or it's a three <laughs> three way date. <laughs> but, Threesome. But anyway, this uh, <laughs> our uh, what we're wearing is. Uh, 
is uh, borderline semi-formal <laughs> to whatever is below that. So, <laughs> yes. <laughs> so uh, should be good. Uh, but that does bring up a good point. Uh, we probably <laughs> will be at Prophecy 2007 in Toronto, Canada, doing a live podcast there. And also we'll be at the Decade of Enchantment Ball. Can we call it the uh, – can we call it Deb for short? D-E-B? Sure. Decade of enchantment. Deb. We shorten everything in the span of many way. I mean, we have <laughs> <I know. laughs> D-H-C-O-S, so why not? Right, exactly. So we're going to be a Deb in uh, <laughs> Prophecy. Uh, so prophecy2007.com? Dot org. Org? Org. Org. Sorry. Prophecy2007. Uh, org. Speaking of Canada, David16 of Ontario. <laughs> hey. Uh, wrote in about another Gallows reference in the books. He said, when he stated that the whole reason for the Hallows-Gallows discussion was because of the game on JKR's website, it got me thinking. In Fantastic Beasts and Where to Find Them, we see a hangman game played by Harry and Ron on the inside cover. Next to the hanged person, there's a giant spider who says, you die Weasley. Do you think this could be a clue to who dies in book seven? I completely forgot about that. Very interesting. I, that's I don't that seems to me like it would be kind of extreme for some fat or foreshadowing in such a small book. But well, I mean, no, I Ron's not going to die. Ron's I not going to die. There's no will. reason for him to. I think it. I don't know. She said that one character had gotten a reprieve, and I think that that might have been Ron. So maybe at the time she wrote those books, uh, maybe Ron was going to die. Yeah. Like, who would write that in the book anyway? Like, I wonder... Well, it was... No, no, no. It was Harry's book, and they were playing Hangman and all sorts of stuff on in the margins. Oh. That is very interesting. Hmm. I like that. <laughs> that hmm, I don't know. Cool. It doesn't look good for Ron. I mean, there's a lot of things that foreshadow his death. He's a weak character, if you ask me. I think he's had it coming since... Book one. <laughs> I don't know. You're mean. Uh, nice. Sorry. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I know. You and all the other girls always go <laughs> for the for Ron. Uh, next rebuttal comes from Jenny, fourteen of Boston. She writes in Harry Potter and the Order of the Phoenix. J.K. Rowling writes that during a particularly boring history ma- history magic lesson, Harry and Ron pass the time by playing hangman. This could be foreshadowing to future events. And you know, um, I like how people are pointing all these out to us because we have a page on MagoNet. Uh, where we uh, list all of the ways uh, that Sirius's death was foreshadowed, I think. Oh, yeah. It's the right? death or clues under off? things you might have missed. Yeah, yeah. Death clues. Yeah. We'll get to some more rebuttals later on. Uh, but, Mikey, earlier this week, uh, you brought up a release date theory to me, which I just thought was very interesting. Really? Okay. I think you did your research. Yeah, you know what I'm talking about. Yeah, right? I know exactly what you're talking about. Well... I, of course, like any fan, I was listening to, I guess, MuggleCast episode, whatever one you were talking about, uh, you know, the release. It's pretty much every episode. <laughs> yeah, you know. Micah mentioned Halloween being the release date. Um, I don't think Halloween. I think the day after, November 1st. Um, reason for this is because All Hallows Day, or All Hallows Eve is, you know, uh, Halloween, but All Hallows Day is, Hall- you know, is November 1st. Um, I was talking to you know a couple friends about this. Um, my friend Quinn and I, we were talking about, and he actually just reread the first book. And actually, in the first book, on November 1st, um, McGonagall says, 
she wouldn't be surprised if today is known as Harry Potter Day. And that's also the day that everyone was dressed up in robes and, uh, you know, Vernon was going through and knows people in weird, you know, cloaks talking on every excitedly in every quarter talking about Harry Potter. That would actually happen if the book was released on midnight on the first. You know, I, what would be great is, you know, we have the party on Halloween. You know, people can go trick or treating, line up for the book release at midnight. We start reading. And obviously during the day, it'd be Harry Potter right. Day on the first. So, yeah, that's really cool. I really like I think yeah, it would be a great so idea because she said it in book like one, it. you know. So, yeah. I'll Go put trick in a word with her. For it. Make sure that happens. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> Mike would be like, I want Harry Potter Day, just like you said in book one. So, yeah. <laughs> you know, something else that one of the listeners sent in, which actually raises a good point. I mean, we think only about ourselves here in America, but and this one came from Australia. I forget who sent it in, but. When it's summer here, it's winter down there. So, I mean, we tend to have a skewed view of when we think the books should come out. You know what I mean? When we say, oh, it's always been a summer release, it's always been a summer release. Well, for us, it has. Yeah, but, you know, we're not the only ones who read the books. I know, but if you look at it that way, there's no release date that's going to be convenient for the entire world. It's not going to happen, and I think well, I a lot November of it. November first, November first is because <laughs> it's Harry Potter Day. Yeah. Well, I mean, but that's like what in the middle of the week. It's a Thursday, it's a so this is yeah. how it is. I know it's not you know a Saturday, but it's a Thursday. You know, so what would happen is you only would miss so many days of work, and then the Saturday is here. You know. You know, people already expect people to miss work sometimes in school on November 1st because they're out trick-or-treating late at night. So, you know, just taking That's an extra true. day off on Friday wouldn't be that big of a deal. I'm still holding out for that day. I, I, I really do like that. I think that's pretty yeah, clever. Yeah, it is. I never thought yeah. of that. It just it, – uh, but whenever I think about these release dates, I think about, am I going to be in school? <laughs> How much work am I going to have? <laughs> if I miss, what am I going to – you know, because – Especially we're since we're going to be in big, college. Oh yeah, exactly. Gosh. So, and it would sure. it would be nice to be in England for the release. So. <laughs> well, yeah, that's the thing. Yeah, yeah and um, that's like a week venture there. So, yeah, I mean, most people go to book parties and stuff, and that's cool and great. But we we plan on doing a one big live podcast. Uh, we want to do one in England, but I mean, you know, if it's through to school, it, it's school year. That might, you know, put a dent. So, well, like, what about August, though? I mean, everyone seems focused on August July. August is great. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, August would be cool. August would be nice. Yeah. I concur. <laughs> right over top of prophecy. <laughs> Imagine right after happen. prophecy. Or two oh, weeks God. after prophecy. Yeah, we're going to to Canada to England. No thanks. <laughs> <laughs> two terrible countries. I don't oh, know. <laughs> I guess that's getting cut out. I take that back. Careful. One of those countries is our neighbor, smart one. <laughs> I know. <laughs> are they, they going to come down here and... Never mind. I love Canada. Canada. William Shatner's from Canada. Yes, yes, I know all about you and William Shatner. Uh, moving along now, uh, Micah, you've been uh, doing your homework this week. I have. Uh, what do you care to explain? Well, I think we've hit this from so many different angles. We started out with the Hangman game. We talked about that two weeks ago. Last week, we kind of got into the whole referencing it to Halloween. You know, are they... Were the Deathly Hollows the people who died for the Horcruxes to be made? But one thing I think we briefly mentioned when the title first came out, and now we can come back to, is are the Deathly Hollows in fact the Horcruxes themselves? And what I did was I said, well, Eric brought this up 
you know, I think it was episode 71 when he started talking about this whole tie into Arthurian legend. And I said, now I don't know anything about Arthurian legend. So I'm going to contact a professor at some university. That's really bad that I don't remember who I contacted or where they work, but nonetheless, um, Actually, I just found the email. The person I spoke to was Professor Jane Chance of Rice University. So thanks to her. She she provided some information that was similar to what Eric had mentioned back then. So, I mean, I think it's worth exploring just a little bit more. So so what did you find out from this uh, professor? Uh, she, was, she was pretty helpful. Uh, she said that, you know, in Arthurian legends, in most legends, uh, the hollows are seen to represent sort of the royal regalia that it's carried by the king. So, I mean, can in this sense, can we compare Voldemort to a king? Well, yeah, he's been in compared a to a king before. In the chess match at the end of Sorcerer's Stone, people have compared that to the war that's been going on in the books. And people will compare, like, um, the queen to Bellatrix, the king to Voldemort. Um, I think it would be safe to say that you can compare Voldemort to a king. Okay, so these hollows, supposedly, or these sacred vessels, have developed over time through all these different legends. And what they've been developed into is basically four symbols of magical elements. And they actually also appear on tarot packs. And I know we talked about the Hangman tarot card a couple weeks ago as four suits the sword, the spear, the cup, and the pentacle. Now, we know that Joe is very good at incorporating mythology and stories into her work. These four things, could they be the four remaining horcruxes? Could they compare to the four remaining horcruxes? What do you guys think? Well, the cup, we kind of know. Yeah. The, yeah, but the sword, they already... Didn't she already confirm that it wasn't the sword? Yeah, I think it's already been kind of debunked that it's not a sword. And that's the only sword we've seen. Well, I mean, it all really comes down to, do we think that the Horcruxes are entirely new things that we're going to find out about? Or have we already seen them in the books before? Like, we've already seen the locket at Grimmauld Place, for instance. Is there any chance that we've seen a Horcrux, you know, all of the Horcruxes throughout each of the books? And we just don't know it yet. Well, I think that we've seen at least a couple of them, but... Oh, I'm sure. Maybe... I don't think all of them, necessarily. I mean, it's all speculation, but I I would think that she would reserve at least one for herself to play around with in the seventh book. You know what I mean? Like, because that leaves yeah. her room to be creative as to where he will find it and stuff like that, so... Wouldn't it be cool if um one... One like main item from each of the books was was one of the Horcruxes. Yeah, that's what a lot of people think. The Diary, Chamber of Secrets, Gaunt's Ring, Half Blood Prince, or uh, but the Locket. Hmm. Well, Locket would be Order of the Phoenix because that's when we saw it. Yeah, the it. Locket would be Order of the Phoenix. Oh, right, right, um, right, right. We think we saw it. Yeah. Don't they also think it's did, uh, think. Nagini, his snake that was in Goblet yeah. Fire? Well. I think we. I actually heard a theory recently because everyone's trying to tie him to like the founders. Um, if Fox, you know, because phoenixes live forever, if Fox came was Godric Gif- Gryffindor's phoenix, um, and we know that Harry and uh, Voldemort share brother wands. If Fox's feather is inside 
Voldemort's wand? Couldn't his wand be a Horcrux? Uh, yeah, but but Roger Gryffindor. Would he really want to store a Horcrux with him? It would sort of defeat the purpose of trying to protect well, see, them. His whole methodology in you know creating Horcruxes was that it would allow him to separate them from his body, and therefore there was never a chance that the Horcrux and him would die at the same time. And if he had has a wand, I mean, what's the first thing anyone's going to do with Voldemort's wand if a Death Eater doesn't get it? It's break it. They're going to, you know, snap in half. Maybe he feels like he needs to have one with him in the event that all six others got destroyed. He would still have his wand that he could protect no matter what because it's always yeah, with but, him. Uh, but that Well, that's not true, though. He spent, what, 14 years with yeah. he still able to use his wand. Oh, Wormtail yeah. carried it around for him. Well, I was pretty sure that Joe said that Fox only belonged to Dumbledore, and he's always been in Dumbledore. Yeah, but he's position. talking about the feather itself, like you know, like the wand itself. Yeah. Like, you know, maybe you know, yeah. Even if it wasn't, you know, back to Godric Gryffindor, couldn't it be like his wand himself, something that he holds on to? You know, he can protect. Yeah, but I, I would think that it's it. a long stretch, just because uh, you know, like I said, if if he does get defeated again, I mean, if Harry defeats him, the first thing Harry's gonna do is go for his wand because it's like the you know the wand matches the, wiz- the wizard, so there's only one wand like that, and it's his. So what better thing to do than make it so that even if he does come back, he'll never have the same wand and therefore he'll never have the amount of compatibility with his wand, you know? Mm -hmm. At least that's what I would do. I'd destroy the wand first. I think anyone would. It's a good theory, though. I mean... How did the wand survive the first time he fell? Well, they said... I mean, hasn't she confirmed that they weren't alone at Godric's Hollow? Yeah. Oh yeah, that's so. I so mean, she's pretty much said it without yeah. saying it. Yeah, and I mean, so if they weren't, yeah, if they weren't alone, you assume that at least one Death Eater was there, and if there was a Death Eater, then any smart Death Eater would pick up his wand, you know? Right. Do you guys want to talk about uh, the Horcrux in each book more? I sort of think that's interesting. I mean, there's. I think it is interesting, but I think we would all need to take some time to go back and kind of and read, yeah, yeah. For, yeah. just because I honestly her. can't think of one thing in Sorcerer's Stone at all. Um, the mirror verse said, <laughs> uh, "Nah." Well, what about in Prisoner of Azkaban? It's the only thing I could think of. Uh, the Time Turner. I don't know. I mean, that's the only thing that I can think of that was the shiny. The Time Turner definitely is in it because Yeah, I know that, but that's the only thing that I can think of that was like I don't know. The problem is is that they're going to be such obscure items in my opinion. I mean, some of them will be, "Oh wow, this has been in our face the whole time," but I think other of them others will have mention, but they'll be very very brief mentions. And with this whole tying to King Arthur and things like that. I'm not saying that the four things that are listed there have to be exactly what would appear in the seventh book, but it's just interesting the connection that's there. But it could be something that has a likeness, is what you're saying. Yeah, or yeah. I'm just saying that it's too coincidental that 
there are these hollows that exist in our Arthurian legend. There's four of them. There's four remaining Horcruxes. And uh-huh. yeah. make of it what you will, but I think it's just a little bit too coincidental. So was there anything else that uh, this professor had to say? Yeah, she told me that she's sure that there's some professor out there that studies both Arthurian legend and Harry Potter. So if there's anyone out there that wants to contact or knows us, someone who knows someone or knows who's so- someone who knows yeah. someone who knows someone. Exactly. <laughs> Get them in Mugglenet here. Pass at staff.mugglenet.com. We Actually, talk to yeah, you. email Micah at staff.mugglenet.com uh, with their information. Yeah, we'd love to talk to them or even have them on the show. And heck, if uh, finders reward, you can be on the show with them. <laughs> there you go. If you, if you know someone who knows someone, you can both be on the show and discuss it. That'd be fun. Uh, moving along now, we wanted to talk about uh, we wanted to talk take a look at some things that J.K. Rowling has said concerning Book Seven. And I was thinking about it the other day, and I sort of realized that we never really touched on any of it. I mean, we'll reference it every once in a while, but we never actually took some quotes uh, of hers and actually sat here and sort of discussed them in more detail. So we have a few few of them here right now, and. Uh, we wanted to start off with uh, something that she said uh, back in 1999, actually. So this goes way back, and I think some of the earlier quotes might be uh, more significant than some of the current ones because that was before she realized how big the series was going to get, and she might have she didn't really see uh, what kind of fan base was was going to be coming with this series. Uh, this was said. Actually, this wasn't. This is this is paraphrased. This is from uh, the National Press Club back in 1999, and I want to give credit here to Osseoquote.org. They um, they they basically have a huge database of quotes from uh, J.K. Rowling and everyone else, and they have a nice book seven section. And uh, in 1999, she pointed out to the audience that she couldn't she couldn't tell us if she imagines Harry growing up because it will ruin the plot of Book Seven for us. Now we've talked about Harry possibly. We seem to think that Harry's going to make it through, right? Right. Yeah. 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 Mikey, yep. do you uh, agree with that? Yeah. Uh, oh, definitely. So, Harry's going to. So, live. what do you think she meant when she said that? She can't imagine Harry growing up because it will ruin the plot of Book 7 for us. Well, I think she's just trying to keep us from speculating over whether he lives or dies, right. essentially. I mean, yeah. if she says that, yes, Harry would do this when he grew up... It's confirming um, he'll then live. Then we all assume, yeah, it's confirming he'll live. And by saying it this way, we can sit here and go around in circles all day long and we won't know the answer. Oh, right. Yes. That, that is a good point. <laughs> yeah. Shut down. <laughs> I think it's just like... She's pretty evasive about stuff. Just like the interview she did on that Richard and Judy where one of them said to her, well, something about Harry in the future. And she said something along the lines of who said he's going to live. Uh-huh. And I think that's just her way of what Laura said keeping us all on the edge of our seats on, yeah well she yeah, knows exactly, exactly what's gonna happen when she says stuff like that at this point um another thing i wanted to discuss was uh the uh interview that emerson and melissa had with jk rowling back uh in july of 2005 she said melissa asked joe does the gleam of triumph still have yet to make an appearance and Joe replies, that's still enormously significant. And let's face it, I haven't told you that much is is enormously significant, so you can let your imaginations run through there. And 
And Emerson responds by saying, I think everybody realized it was significant when they read it, but we didn't see it materialize in five or six. Uh, And Joe says, well, it still is in reference to materializing. And then Emerson says, we've been kind of waiting for the big revelation. And Joe says, absolutely. That's for seven. That's for seven. Have we talked about the gleam of triumph before? I think real little bit. Yeah, I think we touched on it. Yeah. Uh, Any theories from anyone? I don't know. I mean, a lot of people kind of took it to think, uh, to believe that Dumbledore had the gleam of triumph um, because it would have something to do with making it easier for Harry to defeat Voldemort. But I think if Joe is saying it's going to be enormously significant, I don't know. I kind of feel like there's something more there, like something else we're going to find out about it. I don't know. It's just really interesting because, like you said, enormously significant. That, I think. I don't know. It seems Some like- people, and and this is a very, very small, small percentage of the fandom, but some people think that Dumbledore is evil, and they take this as evidence that he is actually truly evil, and that he has a gleam of triumph because now Voldemort can touch Harry. Uh, yeah, yeah, I know. I think that's it, it makes me want to cry. Yeah, but... It makes me want to cry. Is it Rachel or that. Jess? Jess? You have to put yourself <laughs> well, she's in one of them. You know, J.K. Rowling's place. She wrote Dumbledore as like the father figure, and she's not going to make him like that, you know? It's yeah. Sort of. Although, admittedly, it would be a very huge. Plot it would, twist. but I. I think I think my brain. Would I think it would sort of be killing a that great character, you know. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, doesn't that make him human, though? I mean, that's that's what I thought of. You know, if all the Horcruxes are destroyed, then he's human. There's nothing stopping him from dying, and I mean, really dying, not just you know siphoning himself off and going to find something else to latch onto. Ah, so maybe that's why Dumbledore is suddenly realizing that hey. Now he can be killed. I mean, on the other hand, before you said that, Micah, I was thinking that maybe he was just, maybe Harry read him wrong. It wasn't a gleam of triumph. It was more of a absolutely could not believe what had happened. But Or maybe there's something special about the fact now that Harry's blood is running through Voldemort. Right. And that's what a lot of people have been speculating upon, you know, the fact that there may be a an advantage given to Harry because his blood is running through Voldemort's veins. Yeah, like, big thing is, what if, you know, now that he has Harry's blood and, you know, the connection's a little bit stronger, love is such an important role. Maybe now that he the connection's so much stronger because of that blood, he'll feel Harry's love more and that will uh, be what causes his demise or something. Mm, yeah. I don't know. Possibly. Blood. Well, what if it's love. something to do with the fact that um, we saw in Goblet of Fire that if you have brother wands, they can't bite each other. And I think that maybe Voldemort having Harry's blood is kind of reinforcing that. You know, what if because Voldemort is now, I mean, he's essentially got a piece of Harry in him. What if he can't kill Harry because, you know, he he has his blood running through his veins? Why would Why would that stop him, though? I don't know. I mean, why can't brother wands fight each other? It's just how it is, I suppose. I I don't know. So Dumbledore could have been excited because he couldn't kill Harry. Harry was... Or at the very least, it gives Harry the upper hand. Yeah. Hmm. Interesting. Glad we finally talked about that in more detail. Next one we wanted to point out is... Uh, someone asked Joe, were there any 
were there any questions uh, that you were surprised nobody has ever asked you? And she says, uh, I'm surprised no one has asked me uh, since Phoenix came out, I thought that people would, is why Dumbledore did not kill or try to kill Voldemort in the scene in the Ministry. I know that I'm giving a lot away to people who have not read the book. Although Dumbledore gives a kind of reason to Voldemort, it is not the real reason. When I mentioned that question to my husband, I told Neil that I was going to mention it to you. He said it was because Dumbledore knows that there are two more books to come. As you can see, we are on the same literary wavelength. Laughter, that is not the answer. Dumbledore knows something slightly more profound than that. If you want to... Fr- if you want to wonder about anything, I would advise you to concentrate on those two questions. That might take you a little bit further. So, have we ever talked about this? <laughs> I think... No. I don't think no. so either. I don't think no. so. No, when was this oh. question asked? Do we know? Because if it was before Half-Blood Prince, we could say, well, now we know because Dumbledore technically couldn't kill Voldemort. Mikey, do you have any ideas? I like this up. clue. Um, uh, well, I'm thinking like my biggest thing. I went back and actually looked at that. You know, I reread that section. Uh-huh. Um, I couldn't tell you. My biggest thing kept coming back to the prophecy. You know, he knows he can't kill. You know, Voldemort. And actually, he was constantly worried, more worried about Harry. Um, in that section, if you read it, he's like, you know, constantly just kind of doing a lot of defensive magic. And then, uh, soon as Voldemort disappears under like the fountain water thing, uh, Harry tries to move, but he tells Harry not to move and kind of keeps the statue against Harry. So I think it's more that he's knows he can't defeat him because of the prophecy, and he's more worried about Harry. So he's just you know protecting his you know the chosen one. Uh, but I couldn't tell you. Yeah, th- this was before Half Blood Prince. This was in August of two thousand four at the uh, Edinburgh Book Festival. He's protecting Harry. What you said, yeah. Micah. Yeah. Moving along now, uh, another quote from the Melissa and Emerson interview. Melissa uh, says to Joe, Joe, now that Dumbledore is gone, will we ever know the spell that he was to try, that he was trying to cast on Voldemort in the ministry? And Joe says, um, and then she goes, and then Emerson says, let the record show that she made a funny sound with her mouth. Oh, Emerson uses the jokester. And uh, they all have a laugh <laughs> over that. Then Joe says, it's possible. It's possible that you will know that. You will, and she pauses, you will know more about Dumbledore. I have to be so careful on this. So, could the spell be crucial? Could Harry be, could Harry have to learn that spell to kill Dumbledore in Book 7? Which spell exactly are they talking about? Well, we don't know. Will we ever know the spell that he was trying to cast on Voldemort? In the ministry, so I, I assume it was when, when they, they were dueling, dueling, yeah, they were dueling around the um, fountain. From what I remember, he was trying to cast a spell and he got interrupted by something. The significance it plays, though, I mean, it's sort of hard to say because she said, well, she confirmed in Half Blood Prince that Dumbledore is unable to kill Voldemort. So, the spell he was casting may not be as significant as we think because. The most it could do is just hurt him, you know what I mean? Yeah. I think what we'll find out is something about Dumbledore's history that may explain the spell, but I don't think the spell is necessarily very significant, you know? Micah, do you have any ideas? Um, I agree with Kevin on that. I think when she says um, you'll know more about Dumbledore, that it'll all tie into that in Book 7 as far as if we find out what the curse was or the spell was, then we do if not then you know i just think there's more to him that needs to be revealed 
I don't know if the spell that was cast is that significant. Um, another quote now from uh, this was an interview that Joe conducted at Waterstones. Uh, someone asked, "Which is your favorite member of the Order of the Phoenix?" And Micah, did you put this one in? Yeah. Uh, Joe replies, I keep killing all my favorite members of the Order of the Phoenix, but there is one member of the Order of the Phoenix that you have not yet met properly, and you will well. You will well. You know that they are a member, but you haven't really met them proper, properly yet, and you will meet them in seven, so I'm looking forward to that. Oh, that, that is very interesting. So we know them, but we don't... So I, I... We know they're a member of the Order. No, we do we don't know them. Well, yeah, she said, you know no, that you, they are a member, oh. but you haven't really met them properly. So. Okay, so which members do we not know very well? Aberforth. Hmm. Do we I'm, know that I'm he's a member? Them. Yeah, in the picture in uh, Or the oh, Phoenix right. that Moody hands Harry. Yeah. He's in there. I just reread that book, so. Um, oh, that's probably it, yeah, then. Yeah, meet him proper. Yeah. I, I, <laughs> do you guys think Aberforth's going to come to Harry, or Harry's going to go to Aberforth about about his brother? Possibly. I, I mean, I don't I don't think Joe would have included him for no reason. Well. I mean, there have been a couple of subtle hints There's been a couple of Mark Evans here and there, books. but. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, I think that can also tie into the, the last question that you asked, or the last statement that you brought up when we learn more about him. Who else would be better to tell us about him than right. his own brother? Right, and he could get really personal and go way back with him because who else do we know that has known Dumbledore for so long before Hogwarts and Old everything school else? School Albus. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> we want to know what, what the Dumbledore, what Dumbledore, what Albus was doing in his teenage years. Man, was he? Uh, he was causing a ruckus. Yeah, I, I bet. Okay, well, making progress here. And the final quote. <laughs> final quote. Uh, Someone asked Joe, when is the seventh book going to finally come out? Because it took two years for this one. Oh, here's another release date one. It comes out because it took two years for this one to come out. J.K. Rowling responds, I'm going to say now I think it will be at least another two-year wait. Uh, I don't know if she's groaning or the audience is groaning, Micah. Probably the audience. Probably the audience. She says, sorry, I think it probably will – I think it probably will be just being – I think you probably will be just being realistic. My plan is to start writing seriously at the end of the year because I have a very young baby, although I'm doing some work on it at the moment. Uh, she did that interview right after the release of Half Blood Prince. So, so November 1st sounds good to me based on what she said. Yeah, actually, that is kind of interesting yes. that um, <laughs> that she said that after Half Blood Prince. Because really, that's the only thing she said about the release date. Yeah. Yep. And so, I mean, if she started writing at the end of 2005, you know, at least yeah. two years. You know, we're getting tips all the time about release dates. Oh, we, of course, the big one is uh, right now is uh, Barnes & Noble or Borders. I can't remember which. They bo- or One of them has it listed as uh, 7707. And when people call and ask, for, when, when is it coming out? They, you know, the the uh, person working at Borders or Barnes and Noble will say, "Oh, it's coming out July seven, two thousand seven. This is right here on my computer. It must be true." And um, of course, that's not true. That's not an official release date. And honestly, the way all these rumors are spinning right now, and from what we've been hearing, it's looking like the end of oh seven, summer to the end of oh seven. What do you guys think? It's exciting. Yeah. My gosh, I mean, by this time yeah. next year, We're gonna be like, it could uh, all be over. Welcome to week 23 <laughs> of our book seven discussion. <laughs> We're exhausted from this. I think we'll do this again sometime in the future, talking about uh, some of the, more of the things that Joe said. Mm-hmm. 
Or we'll just have Joe on the show. Yeah, that would yeah. be cool. I hope she becomes a little more accessible when she... I doubt it. I doubt it. <laughs> no, I, I oh, think after, she will. After Potter, after, I think she will. What do you will. think? She's yeah, going to be like, hey, Muggle Gaz, podcast, well, no. sure. No, 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 but, that, no, I'm but saying in the sense of people actually being yeah. able to talk to her and, you know... Yeah, nothing she ever writes is going to be like Harry Potter. I mean... Yeah, it's not necessarily going to be like the herself. prime time shows and magazines always getting the See, you know what the thing you know is, though? I mean? Even after she's going to try to move away from Harry Potter with writing new books, like smaller books, she's not going to be able to get away from it with the press and that, interviews Yeah, but and that's that's why you have a uh, pen name. Yeah. Huh? It's probably, no, well, didn't no, she I'm say saying she like, was going to do that? Didn't yeah. she say that jokingly? No, I, I think she... I, Maybe she'll just go back to Joanne. Rolling. I wouldn't... You know what? I wouldn't blame her if she did that because anything that she ever writes under the name J.K. Rowling it's is be going to typecast. Yeah. yeah, it's going to be completely compared to Harry, and I wouldn't blame her if she went with a pen name. As an artist like that, you're you know you're you want people to enjoy your reading because or your writing because of the writing, not because of your name. Yeah. But uh, what, what so. I was saying was she's not going to be able to escape this stuff in interviews. Like, she's going to want to promote her new book, and they're going to spend, like, three minutes doing that, and the rest is going to be, so, uh, book seven, you're all done it now, what's it like? All that stuff. I just really think she's never going to get away from it, media-wise. Well, that's yeah. why she's got to you know, really wrap though, up everything kind of in book seven. I mean, she she's go really got to... Completely change your look. Oh, yeah. <laughs> this that's is it. an odd comparison, but it's kind of related to what you're talking about with with where I work. A lot of our owners are former NFL players, and we try and get them on shows to talk about arena football, but they end up talking about the NFL uh, instead. So you know, it's the same thing. You know what you're saying? She's trying to promote something different, but in the end, is she's going to go back to Harry Potter. All right. We have another rebuttal now. Joey15 of Massachusetts concerning Ravenclaw's Horcrux. Here comes more uh, Horcrux discussion. I've just reread book five, and I think I may have discovered the Ravenclaw's Horcrux on page 99. In the UK version, they are cleaning out glass-fronted cabinets. A number of objects are mentioned, such as some daggers, claws, snakeskin, silver boxes, and, and an ornate crystal bottle with a large opal set into the stopper, full of what Harry was quite sure was blood. I know it is somewhat... It is a somewhat long shot, but couldn't it be Ravenclaw's? Also, since there was the rumor that Book 7 could have been called Ravenclaw's Heart, I thought that this might have been important. Please tell me what I think. I don't think uh, the Book 7 title rumor has really anything to do with it, because the copyright, the people who trademark those names just to screw with us do it, just to uh, throw us off with the real title. But Laura, what were you going to say? Well, I just, I mean... When, what he's talking about is when they were cleaning out the cabinets where they also found the uh, the locket that we all think is the actual Horcrux. And I'm just not sure what the likelihood is of there being two Horcruxes in the same cabinet, let alone the same house. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Maybe R.A.B. did a little bit more work than we think. Maybe, like- but I just feel like... I feel like from a a book standpoint, that makes it too easy. You yeah, know, I, like, I agree. It it just seems like it's too convenient for them to be in two places, you know, or the same place for two objects, you know. Mm. It, and it, it's he not still very... He has to fight Voldemort. Yeah, but it's not very... If you're trying to... It's not very um, J.K. Rowling. 
you know, I it doesn't the way, provide for much of a journey. I, that's why, yeah, like exactly. Not it, much of a quest there. I mean, when you think of Harry Potter, you think, especially the seventh book, you expect you know a lot of action and a lot of you know moving around from place to place, constant like you know time dependent you know movements, and it just seems too convenient that you know two Horcruxes are in the same place. Mm. Yeah. Although, by the mm. same token, she can also put two Horcruxes, have Harry get one of them, and then have Harry looking, you know, everywhere for the other and realize, oh my god, it was right in front of me. You know, uh, you ever hear that prank where uh, uh, high school kids will graffiti numbers onto different, like, areas of the school, and they'll, they'll do, like, one, two, three, and then they'll skip four and put, like, five, so then the administration or whatever, they're always looking for number four, but it doesn't actually exist. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if you guys have heard that, but uh, it's actually a pretty funny prank. I don't know. That just reminded me of it. So, so maybe there aren't really seven horcruxes. We'll always be looking for the seventh and never kill Voldemort. That would be horrible. Wow. <laughs> the book I, was I, Harry's still looking yeah. for the horcrux. <laughs> Voldemort's Voldemort's way yeah. wins. To be environmentally efficient, we can't possibly print any more pages for this book, so <laughs> the end. Goodbye. I think you just came up with the most depressing <laughs> ending that we could ever have. Uh, and the epilogue is set 50 years later and, and Harry's still searching for the Horcruxes. <laughs> searching under the Hogwarts castle for the 23rd time. Thank you, Joey, for that email. Um, ladies and gentlemen, we have a very special interview for everyone right now. Uh, as I mentioned last week, it took us a lot of work to uh, get this interview, and we are very proud and excited to have it. And uh, Ben and I recorded it a little earlier this week with the guest host, so here it is now. All right, I'm joined with uh, Ben and Micah here. Hey, guys. How you guys doing? Pretty good. It's a uh, big, big day. It's our big interview. You know, um, some of those other podcasts sort of rip on us sometimes that... Yeah, not getting yeah, interviews, not getting interviews but you know, they, this is our answer to them. I mean, this, this is this is a big this one. This is huge. And Ben, I, I really, honestly, I give all the credit to you. You worked on this, uh, getting this interview with this person. I, I know it took. I, I had to pull a few strings, you know. Right. So, but you know, as we always say on the show, you are Ben Shane, and, and I can um, do anything. <laughs> yeah, without a doubt. So, um, I think we're going to call the person right now. Oh, and, oh, uh, who's fun geez. is that? I, you? I, hold on, so I gotta take this. Don't you okay. know you're supposed to turn it off? Hello? Recording? <sighs> you know, like, uh, I tell really? him this every time and he always forgets. <sighs> Do I have to go now? <sighs> uh, okay, okay. Whatever. <sighs> My mom's stuck in Wichita, so I have to go pick her up. Stuck in Wichita? <laughs> Wait, the, the snowstorms that's going Yeah, there's a bit. there's big snowstorms here, so I have to... Oh my, Ben! You this is this is the only time I, I, you can I know. Do it. I, I'm sorry. What, what do you expect me to do? I mean, all right. I, I, I just right. have to I go. Get, are you okay with me and Micah just doing it? I know. I, I, know, I worked. I this worked for this, but all right. Well, we'll still give you the well, whatever. Whatever. All right. Give me a call in case something happens. Maybe we could. Maybe he can redo it later. Okay. We're gonna give him okay. a call. I gotta go. All right. See, see ya. ya. Bye. Oh my god. Should we? Should we still do it, Micah? Yeah, I mean, I don't know. Ben worked very, very hard on this, so... <laughs> you know what? Honestly, I could care less. This is... I, I want this to be my time to shine, so... Hold on, let me, let me give him a call here. Let me, there we go. 
Okay, hold on. Let me, uh... It's a long number. He, uh... Lives in, uh... England, actually. Stupid UK numbers. Okay. Hello? Hi, uh, Hagrid. Rubius Hagrid. Hagrid, Rubius Hagrid, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for joining us. Ah, you're welcome. I was just, uh... Find my motorcycle. And, well, well, thank you for taking the time out to do this with us today. I mean, this is a big honor. I know our fans have been very excited to see you on the show. And uh, we weren't kidding when we said it on this. is our the biggest guest to ever appear on a Harry Potter podcast. So thanks for coming on today. You're welcome. Uh, so Mikey and I have a few questions for you. Ben was supposed to be here. I know you've talked to him about uh, coordinating this interview, but uh, he had something to do. Um, so we just wanted to have a couple of basic questions for you. We want to know uh, how filming's been going for Order of the Phoenix. Ah, uh, geez. Um, it's fine, I guess. Uh, I'm not in it as much as I would like to be, but, uh, you know, one thing's for sure. What's that? I'm still cheaper of the keys at Hogwarts. So I say, uh, overall, filming is great. So, uh, Hagrid, what are the hours like on a daily basis? Well, uh, uh, I get up about 4 p.m. and, uh, eat lunch. Then I go, uh, fill a scene or two with some dragons. And then I go back and be keeper of the keys. Right, right. Now, uh, what, what kind of food do they serve there, uh, on the set? Uh, Dairy Queen. Oh, Dairy Queen. Mm. Dilly bars and, uh, ice cream cake. Yeah. Is that, is that all you eat? I mean, or are there other healthier options for people? Uh, there's a McDonald's. Oh. Do you eat there? What do you usually get from there? Uh, double quarter pounder. Uh-huh. Cheese. Who do you enjoy working most with on the set? Well, actually, uh, some of you may be surprised about this. Uh, I work a lot with Michael Gambon. Uh, he plays Dumbledore, and we have a good time together. So what do you think, uh... About Michael Gambon. I mean, uh, personally, I think he's terrible as Dumbledore. Never! And I mean never insult Albus Dumbledore in front of me! Oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. We didn't... Uh, Mike is just, you know, speaking from some articles that he's read online. Just please ignore that, sir. Um, so anyway, moving on. I should leave this interview right now. Oh, no, no, please don't. No, please. We, you know, we, I, I know a lot of our fans were really excited to have you on. Uh, really, we're sorry about that. Um... What do you what do you think of the new director David Yates? Don't know him. Don't know him. Do you do you work with them at all, or do you sort of just do your own thing on set? You just show up and you know do well, a couple lines. I call I call my own shots. Oh, okay. So being there for what it's been like seven years now, you you really do your own thing. Pretty much, yeah. Yeah. I mean, when you're keeper of keys at Hogwarts. You get to call your own shots. Now, do right. you live in your hut on set, or do you have a home outside of Leavesden? What kind of question is that? Well, I, I couldn't mean, leave Fang. Fang was in my hut with me. I couldn't leave Fang. Well, I, I mean, I don't know. Maybe, maybe. So, so you do live on set all the time. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, what, what's it like there at night? Dark. Oh, okay. All right. And uh, so, do you ever leave the set? Or are you always there? Uh, well, since there's a Dairy Queen and McDonald's, uh, and since I have the key to everything, uh, no reason to leave set. Now, I know this is a little bit of a personal question, but how's your love life doing? Well, I'm not supposed to talk about it, strictly speaking. Yeah. What do you think you could give us a little, like, exclusive, uh, tidbit for the site and the podcast? Let's just say, things between me and Madame Maxime... Have, uh, 
heated up a bit. Oh, 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 oh. well, I'm sure our, uh, all of your loyal fans are going to be very uh, pleased to hear that. <laughs> You're the only ones who are pleased. <laughs> <laughs> uh, now, uh, to wrap things up today, we were thinking maybe you could uh, recite some of your uh, biggest lines in the books and movies. Do you think you could do that for us? Uh, I guess, I guess. Your great pudding of a son don't need fatten anymore, Dursley. Never try and get a straight answer out of a centaur. Ruddy stargazers. Not interested in anything closer in the moon. What's coming will come, and we'll have to meet it when it does. Meant to turn him into a pig, but I suppose he was so much like a pig anyway, there wasn't much left to do. I'm not blaming you, but I gotta tell you, I thought you two'd have your friend mourn broomsticks or rats. That's all. Rubius Hagrid, keeper of keys and games at Hogwarts. Okay, well, thank you, Rubius, for joining us today here on the show. It was a pleasure. You have any more questions? You. Um, I don't know. Uh, I th- I think that's pretty much it. I mean, you covered all the bases here. Well, thank you. Uh, tell Ben he's my favorite Mugglecaster. Oh well, I, I will. Um, I'm sure he'll be very excited to hear that. Is there uh, are, real quick? Are there any other projects you're working on? Or are you just dedicated to Harry Potter right now? Strictly speaking, uh, I have some things on the, the the underground with the dragon trading. Oh, okay. So you probably don't want to talk about that. The, the, yeah, the big bucks. You know. Okay. Well, thank thank you uh, once again. What, what's your name and title? Rubius Hagrid, keeper of games and keys at Hogwarts. Okay, thank you, Hagrid, for joining us today. There, there you go. There was our big interview, guys. It was Hagrid. We got Hagrid. What do you guys think? Awesome. That's great. Amazing. You like it. It was a huge achievement. Guys, it's really him. Oh, no pun intended, Laura. I, I, I'm in awe, honestly. Yeah, Mi- Mikey, um, I got his address and phone number now, so if you want an autograph, I can... Wow, I can really? Send one to you. Yeah, we're, oh, we're definitely. good friends now. Yeah, we... Yeah. All right, cool. Yeah. I love Hagrid. Who couldn't love him? Yeah, all right. So so once again, big thank you to Rubius Hagrid for coming on the show. I know he's a big, busy guy right now. Uh, but fortunately, it wouldn't spill what was going to happen in book seven. That was a bit of a bummer, but... We'll just have to wait and see. We're going to play a a segment now that we haven't done in a while, Favorites, where we pick an an aspect of the Harry Potter series and tell everyone what our favorite of it is. This week, we're going to talk about book covers uh, suggested by Micah. Uh, Why do you pick this, Micah? I thought book covers would be a good idea this week because um, earlier this week, Mary Grand Prix said that she hasn't received any information yet on a release date for book seven. So I thought we could talk a little bit about that not afterwards. Just not um, just release date. Discuss- she has no details. Yeah, which is interesting because it, it makes you think of a couple of questions. You know, how long does it take her to draw a book cover and all the chapter art um, before a book is actually released? And do we know any of that? Can we use any of that to try and figure out when book seven would be released? Does anyone remember when the cover was revealed in relation to... March? Was it March? I know it was on the I Today say- Show that they uh, released it. At least the US I want to say it was March. March? That we got the cover art for Half-Blood Prince. Okay. Hmm. But who knows how long she'd been working on it. Right. Right. I mean, so that... Yeah. So that was, what, four months beforehand? Hmm. Uh, so we're going to go around the table here, see what everyone's favorite covers. I'll, I'll kick it off. I'll have to say that um, my favorite one was was the Order of the Phoenix cover because I'm a big flan. flan I'm a big uh, fan of the color blue, and that's really my only reason why. I, I think it's a pretty cool cover. I like how Harry's pose, wand at the ready. Just blue? 
That's your <laughs> No what what? what do it's you your reasoning behind liking the book cover. It's blue. <laughs> yes, actually, it is. That's my exact reason. Nice. I, I like the I like Half Blood Prince and the Order of the Phoenix color, or covers because it's just one solid color. I kind of like the books that way. They should redo all the covers and make them solid color. Uh, Mikey, what about you? What's your favorite cover? Um, mine is actually the deluxe edition of uh, Half Blood Prince. You know, Ooh, old, uh, yeah. Dumbledore and Harry going through you know the woods or uh, going towards the Horcrux. Mary Grand Prix drew that, right? I believe so. Um, yeah, sure. I think it just has all. Yeah, yeah, I think she does all of them. Actually, <laughs> she did. yeah, does well, she do all of them so. for just... all the different countries, no, or just no, for the U.S.? No, just, just... Yes. no yeah. just for the That's U.S. That's what I thought. Okay, I like that one. It's green, Laura? my favorite color. I'd have to say mine would be Prisoner of Azkaban, and I think it's uh, mostly because. Uh, I got the first three books for my birthday one year, and. Uh, I noticed after I read them that the uh, the covers for Chamber of Secrets and Sorcerer's Stone weren't entirely accurate. Like, there were a couple of things on them that weren't really how they had been in the books. And I thought that um, the cover for Prisoner of Azkaban was more intriguing, I suppose. It made me want to pick up the book more. Interesting. Do you think uh, Mary Grand Prix takes that into account? Trying to Trying to sell it by, you know, don't judge a book by its cover. Although most people do. <laughs> well, some people do. Do you think she she sits there and when she's sketching it out, she's like, what would appeal to customers? I doubt it. <laughs> no, yeah. no, I think she tries to pick... I think she tries to pick a significant scene from the book and put it on the cover. You know, something to kind of add more speculation yeah. to our little, our little fandom. Right. Well, thinking about it now, picturing all the covers, I mean, they really... All, all the big scenes, except for Sorcerer's Stone, it's not really set anywhere. Yeah. It's just like in out, sort of outside of the castle. Yeah. But the rest yeah, of it was kind of was kinda like a, just a hodgepodge of different things right. from the book, kind of thrown. Like on you the can cover. see Fluffy in it, you can see Hogwarts in it, you can see a lot of different things. Kevin, what's your favorite cover? I actually like to Order of the Phoenix as well. Why is that? Because it's blue. <laughs> uh, no, not well. I actually liked it because of uh, initially just because of the amount of information it gave away about the book. Like, I mean, well, Half-Blood Prince, what, I mean, we sort of knew what Half-Blood Prince was, you know, the Pensieve and stuff. But uh, I remember speculating about the candles and stuff and how all the flames were going in one direction and people saying, oh, maybe it's, you know, a room that's, you know, possibly rotating or something's moving or, you know, and I don't know, it was... I think it was pretty cool. We've been talking about the title for four or five weeks now. I mean, once the cover comes out, that's gonna that's gonna kill another four or five, if not close to ten yeah. shows. Oh yeah, without doubt. Uh, I think the little dot in the top right represents what's gonna happen in chapter two. We get stuff like that, people. And uh, who am I missing, yeah. Micah? Finally, what's your what's your favorite cover? I like Goblet of Fire. I think there's a lot of stuff on there, and I I always think that. Mary Grand Prix does a good job of of hiding things, whether it's in the the cover art or in the chapter uh, the chapter art. I mean, Goblet of Fire itself has. I'm just looking at it right now. All the Triwizard Champions it has the egg on it. It has uh, some of the Death Eaters, has Padfoot, and then a bunch of other stuff mm-hmm. on the back, including the Goblet of Fire itself. Doesn't it have uh, Cedric on it? Yeah, as well? all the yeah, has all of the uh, 
Triwizard Championship. Uh, Order of the Phoenix has who on the back? Moody? Or am I completely off? Tonks, yeah. Moody, Lupin. And how about Prince? Uh, who, are, who are those people? Is it just like... I think it's... Which uh, people? The, the ones Ron, on the Hermione back? Ronnie and Ginny? Ronnie and Ginny. Okay. Although, okay, this is just me, but I thought that Ginny looked like Princess Fiona from she Shrek. She kind of does. <laughs> it's true. She does! Yeah. She looks like It Shrek. bothered me for so long. I was like, what is that? Yeah. Wow, you're kind of... Yeah, you're right. That's <laughs> funny. Uh, what do you think... I don't know, has she... Either, I answered this in an interview before. Um, why did she go from doing multicolor covers to just single color? Probably just style, I would think. Yeah. You know, it's... And she did four books with them, and then she easier. decided... Yeah. Just, uh... Well, well, one thing I noticed was... I mean, remember Order of the Phoenix was the first time she like portrayed Harry as, you know, more adult. In the sense of, you know, the boy is now... Like a older teenager, yeah. So mm-hmm. maybe it was just the transition between, you know, going from like sort of like childhood years to more adult years. Maybe I don't know. We have an email now from now. Of course, this isn't her real his real name? Dumby, age three forty eight. From I don't know. Ha ha ha! You're very. Funny. <laughs> uh, he writes though I may be three hundred forty eight years old, I could still talk. And if I wasn't alive. If I wasn't alive, how would I be talking to you now? Anyway, I, Dumbledore, think the show's great. Keep the excellent workout. Thank you, Dumbledore. I just had one nagging question that kept popping up in my brain when I was gazing was I, when I was gazing blankly at the cover of Harry Potter 7, Death, Deathly Hollows, I noticed one thing. Though Harry says that he is not returning to, to Hogwarts, I wonder why I would say year 7, referring to the seventh year of his school, unless he attends it for some period of time. Is it just an answer, or is it just an error, or is there a deeper meaning? I think that's just Scholastic doing what they always do. Yeah. yeah that's true. Covers. I think it is, too. <laughs> Definitely. Not yeah. to mention... It's not just year seven at school. It's just like year seven is in the seventh year that we've seen Harry. Yeah. Another email now from Hannah Roberts, 14 of Manchester, England. I was rereading Half of Prince and I came to the part of Dumbledore's death and the Death Eaters versus Order of the Phoenix in Dumbledore's army battle. Uh, and Dumbledore's army battle in Hogwarts. It says on page 560 of the British hardback version of Half-Blood Prince, quote, the giant Gryffindor hourglass had been hit by a curse and the rubies within were still falling. This could be, end quote, this could be a metaphor for Dumbledore's death. Also, a bit further on, it says the rubies were still falling like drops of blood. If he was the last in line of Godric Gryffindor, it could be a metaphor for this too. Don't forget, Dumbledore's office had a uh, had a griffin on the door, so it is a Gryffindor. <laughs> <laughs> that's pretty funny. Yeah, that's cute. Oh, what, what do you think about that, Micah? Thought it was good enough to put in there. Yeah. <laughs> I agree. Yeah, um, but didn't didn't she sort of imply that she's not necessarily continuing the whole like bloodline thing? Like, at least with Harry, she had said like flat out, you know, he's not the heir of Gryffindor, and I think from what I remember of the tone of the interview, she she was sort of getting a little annoyed that people kept focusing on these bloodlines when they really showed no significance. Yeah. You know, it's sort of a theme throughout the book that whether you're half-blood or, you know, pure-blood, it doesn't matter whether, you know, it doesn't show what your skill is. So what would it matter if Harry was the heir to Gryffindor he's just a wizard yeah 
Uh, we, we've been getting a lot of emails lately, of course, about Deathly Hollows, and um, this comes from Xanab16 of Canada. We've had three emails from Canadians this week. This is just our Canadian Well, this, this one was actually a voicemail, yeah. but uh, oh. someone accidentally deleted it. So. And by someone, he means someone himself. She says, with all the hints of the international wizarding community existing, including methods of long-range trans- transpor- transportation, such, such as carpets, etc., do you think that it is possible that Harry's battle will be brought internationally? Excuse me. That is, will Harry be outside of the UK for part of Book 7? Eh, I don't know. That's making, taking a stretch. I mean, unless Voldemort has... Horcrux or do a hidden outside of the UK. Well, yeah, but see, that's what I was thinking, because where was Voldemort when he went into hiding when he had lost his body? Because wasn't he in, like... Weren't they yeah. Romania? Yeah, so right like, there... They were saying that he was in some I mean, dark forest. There, right there, he went outside of the UK to hide. So, if he went there to hide, isn't it probable that, you know he chose the same spot to hide a horcrux? In the beginning of Goblet of Fire, uh, what's her name? Was Bertha Jorkins? Yeah. 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 Um, where, where was she killed? Wasn't that outside of England? Yeah, she was like traveling. No, no wasn't she traveling? And that's where they no. found her? Oh, yeah. I guess so. I don't remember where they were, though. I think if they go I'm international, sure. it would be just Europe. We're not going to see Harry come to the United Oh, yeah. No. <laughs> be, right. yeah. We're not going to see Europe come, but, but I, I wouldn't be surprised if, like, they go to Romania. Because, come on, Victor Crumb, you know, Durmstrang is up yeah, there. Yeah, and actually the... Bobak yeah, is in the, France. So I wouldn't be surprised if we see some international uh, travel. So maybe, because uh, Joe promised a return of Crumb, so maybe that's how we could be seeing him again. He yeah. Has to, he has to head back to Romania to... Uh, it meets up with Crumb, maybe enlist the help of Crumb via Hermione. Hermione, yeah. <laughs> and Ron throws a fit. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And Ron gets mad. Oh, that's good. I like that. Um, but I don't think it would be beyond Europe at all. You know. Yeah, but still, I think that would be cool yeah, to uh, see it brought so. to a different. The US. Oh yeah, the US. Harry inserts his Metro card into the subway. <laughs> yeah. He runs through the turnstile and hops on. There he finds a Horcrux under an old homeless man. Oh, oh, Horcrux is in Disneyland. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Mickey Mouse has got it. <laughs> no, and Mickey and Goofy are fighting for it. You know? It's yeah. a McDonald's. McDonald's. <laughs> It's Hi, in the chicken have, nuggets. Uh, number, yeah, the Horcrux is on the dollar menu that day. <laughs> anyway. Dark Lord Soul for 99 cents. Uh. Yeah. Uh, can you hold the mayo on that? I just need the Horcrux. And uh, I don't need the fries or drink either. Actually, give me a water. <clears throat> okay, so anyway. Ron, you want anything? Yeah. <laughs> can I have a Happy Meal? You guys, still that, you guys still doing that McDonald's promotion or Monopoly promotion? <laughs> I'm still looking for Boardwalk, damn it. <laughs> Who isn't and, looking for Boardwalk? And yeah. Anyway. Uh, good stuff. Anyway. <laughs> we killed that. Uh, so, all right. So, listen up, listeners. For the past uh, five weeks now, we've been talking about Deathly Hollows, and frankly, I'm sick of it. We, it is time now to, I'm just kidding. It is time now to listen to all of your theories. So we are holding a Deathly Hollows theory contest. And the prizes for this are the best we've ever had on MuggleCast. Um, so here, here's how it works. We want everyone to submit your best Deathly Hollows theory as to what the title could mean. 
uh, via voicemail, one to one eight twenty magic, and we'll give the other numbers at the end of the show. We'll pick our favorite ten to fifteen and run them on the show in a listener segment. We'll put them all together, and it'll be like a fifteen minute segment where it's just your theories. Uh, Listeners and then the listeners will vote on which one is their favorite on MuggleCast.com, and then the top three will win prizes. Now, um, a couple things about uh, the voicemails. Uh, we want you guys to keep them about a minute. So write out your theory first, know what you're going to say, and then keep them under a minute because we want to fit as many people as possible into one show without boring everyone. So try to keep them in a minute. And uh, once again, we'll have everyone vote on their favorite theories. Now, prizes. We have uh, uh, three places you can take first, second, and third. First place, MuggleCast t-shirts and a MuggleNet book. Second place is a MuggleCast t-shirt. And third place is a MuggleCast t-shirt. Uh, we're not sure which designs yet we're going to be able to give away, uh, but we'll let you know on, a, on, a, on an upcoming episode. Now, here's where the fun comes in. Let me set this up first, and it's a shame Jamie's not here. Um, <laughs> have any of you heard about this story yet? Is this one? Do I know the story? Do I at at the curry place? No, no. no. But Mikey, you were probably one of the last pieces uh, per, people to see uh, Jamie's old suitcase, uh, ah, which now yes, yes, which now sits in my room because on our flight home from Vegas to Philadelphia, uh, we had been waiting in uh, in a baggage claim for a while, and I had my suitcase, and we had to wait like an extra. 10 minutes for Jamie's and sure enough it pops out and it's torn into parts like the uh, the top part is just ripped so it doesn't zipper together and of course Jamie's up in arms he doesn't know what to do we uh, we ended up buying him a new one but he kept the old suitcase here of course he wasn't going to bring it back and we were too lazy to actually go bring it back downstairs and throw it out um so I was sitting here and I was thinking there's gotta be something we could, we could do with this uh, suitcase <laughs> so <laughs> you know what's oh, going. Uh, each winner is going to uh, a, receive an optional piece of Jamie's suitcase. Uh, you pick which part of it you want. <laughs> I will cut it off <laughs> and I will mail it to you. Um, now it's all in tags still. Um, there's also his uh, what, what do they call the tags that you put on the suitcase with like where it's going and stuff. The flight tags, I guess. The flight tag, yeah. yeah I, I, I still tags. have that on there. Uh, so if you want that, if you want a handle, if you want the top cover, I don't really care. It's yours. You Does it have gotta... Jamie's address on it? That's what people want to know. Does it have uh, Jamie's address? No, I. Uh, he removed that. Okay. <laughs> but, Sorry, um, girls. If you want a handle or something. But we'll provide that. Uh, yeah, I can. You take any part you want. I'll take a saw to it. I could care less. <laughs> I just. I. I want to get can rid get... of it, but I don't want it to sit in a uh, in a uh, landfill. I want it to be. Put to use. So, if you take a saw to it, can we get video of that? That's all I really care about. Hmm. You taking a saw to Make it? Make sure it's yeah, like it's a. Okay. Uh, if it requires a saw, I will. We will <laughs> film it. <laughs> suitcase. Uh, of course, you can't have the whole suitcase. You can only have a uh, a piece of it. But uh, what was I going to say? I mean, this suitcase has been everywhere. It's been L.A., England, well, obviously, <laughs> Las Vegas, England, Las Vegas, New York, New Jersey. Uh, Kansas, it's your not house. Kansas. Yeah, my house has been. been sitting here. I'm, it's kind of in a way. I'm kind of sick of looking at it. It's a nice black suitcase. Uh, yeah, I'll take a picture of it, put it on the website. But yeah, so each each of the top three winners will receive uh, a piece of Jamie's suitcase of their choosing. And if you don't want it, if you're mature and you can't believe we're actually doing this, you don't have to take a piece <laughs> of Jamie's suitcase. But anyway, that's what we're doing. Yes, you do. You have uh, yeah, to take it. Yeah, why not? Come on, it's you have yeah, to take it's, it. It's awesome. 
So, sort of uh, smells. That's that. So everyone has till February 4th to get in uh, their submissions. More details or full details can be found at MuggleCast.com. Uh, moving on today, we're going to wrap things up with the chicken soup for the MuggleCast soul. Chicken soup comes from Christine14 of Ohio. She says, hey, MuggleCast, I wanted to let you guys know how you help save I guess my grades. Yay. I slacked off a bit second quarter and needed amazing grades on my exams. With a mixture of U2 and old MuggleCast episodes, I was able to get through studying. For safe measure, I wore one of my MuggleCast t-shirts every day that I had an exam. I even tried my first pickle ever. I had no problems. I've never felt more confident on a test before. Thank you, MuggleCast. Oh, wonderful. Thanks, Christine, for sending that in. Of course, you can always send in your uh, chicken soup for the MuggleCast soul to MuggleCast at staff.mugglenut.com. Uh, speaking of emailing us, please do not forget the rest of our contact information. If you would like to send something in the form of an actual item, you can always mail to our P.O. Box located in, in central Kansas. It's MuggleCast P.O. Box 223, Mount Ridge, Kansas, 67107. You can also, if you're in the United States, to leave a voicemail, you can dial one two one eight twenty 20 magic If you're in the United Kingdom, you can dial 020-814-0677. If you're in Australia, you can call 028-003-5668. You can also Skype the username MuggleCast. And don't forget, uh, calling or Skyping is the only two ways we will accept submissions for our Deathly Hollows Theory Contest. You can also go to MuggleCast.com for our handy feedback form where you can contact any of us. Uh, you can always email uh, any of our first names at staff.mugglenet.com. Actually, Mikey has Mikey at staff.mugglenet.com, don't you? I actually do. I don't know how. I forgot but about I that. Somehow got it. <laughs> you, you have it. So if you do want to contact Mikey uh, about today's show, if you have any thoughts on what he had to say or give him some good feedback, you did a great job today, Mikey. Well, thank Thanks you. Thanks for Hopefully I can uh, come back sometime and uh, bug yeah. Ben. Yeah, Jamie, yeah, there you, know. there you go. Yeah, you can all, actually yeah. replace Ben. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> who wants to replace Ben Shane? Come on, he's Ben Shane. Exactly, so, that's the he's problem. He's from Kansas. Yeah, I know. Well, how many Kansas? People, I think many, that earns him a right. How many people can say they know people from Kansas? <laughs> I, like, there's like two people in Kansas. <laughs> I, um, well, I, there's I two apologize. people in Canada, too. <laughs> Everyone who, yeah, that's very true. Yeah, who, who are they? Who are they, Mikey? Uh, that's Amy from, uh, what is she, Emma Watson.us and uh, William Shatner. <laughs> we know William Shatner's from Canada. So if you want to question why Mikey has such I'll a weird obsession that. with uh, William Shatner, email Mikey at staff.mugglenet.com. Uh, <laughs> and also, once again... MySpace, Facebook, YouTube, Frapper, Last FM, Failing Supporters. There's many ways to be involved in the MuggleCast community, growing every single day. Become our friends on MySpace. We love friends on MySpace. And, new and improved, we're now replying to people's comments on MySpace. So, I'm not. <laughs> <laughs> so, you leave a comment, you'll get one back. Uh, hopefully, if your comment's worthwhile. So, once again, uh, that concludes episode 73 of oh Mongo Oh my god, Cast. I can't we believe we have so 73 old. episodes. I'm Andrew Sims. I'm Kevin Steck. <laughs> I'm Laura Thompson. I'm Micah Danabout. And I'm Mikey B. Mikey, thank you again for joining us. It was a pleasure having you on the show. It's a pleasure. Yeah, November mine. 1st. Don't All forget, he said yeah. it. Yeah, November 1st. Mikey called it. Mikey, if it is November 1st, yeah. we'll have you on again so you can boast all you want about it. <laughs> oh, yes. I will have to do that. All right. Good night, everyone. Bye. Good night, Bye. Bye.
Okay, everyone yes. join. Yes. At least you didn't yeah. do okay. the uh, one, yes. two, three. I don't. Yes, I don't you do. do that. I don't understand you why do it you guys always think I do. Okay. Hmm, now, now, Mikey, here's the problem. I always run into this problem where I can't figure out how to start, <clears throat> how to intro yeah. the show. Perfect, yeah. right there. Yeah, yeah. I yeah. that. <laughs> All right, so I think that's yeah. how you have to do it, man. Just be like, should yeah, I really just go get another glass of water and be like, uh, yeah. Don't you think I'm going to get it? Nah, nah, yes, really you will. Yeah, but big deal. All right, so I should do it then. And then you should just say it's We're a already going to get in trouble for the interview. No, that's true. <laughs> that that is true. Um, the prince of Snape. The prince. Snape, half foot prince. There's not a Snape. Yeah, there's not a king. Prince. prince. He's a pawn. Snape is just a pawn. <laughs> oh, 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 you're talking <laughs> about chess. we're talking about chess here, so you know. Oh, that's why I'm like half foot prince. He's a knight. He's a knight. Half blood knight. <laughs> I thought you were. T- no, he's a yeah. bishop. Yeah, yeah, yeah he, he was. He was in diagonal. Yeah, 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 yeah. He was diagonal. He makes, yeah, he doesn't move straight. He yeah, move. he's not straight. He's not a straight guy. Yeah. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> so hair. anyway, yeah. as I was saying, I think it. Right. I think it would be safe to say that you can compare Voldemort to a king. <laughs> 